On this show of St. Louis in Tune, we're going to return to civility. We're going to be talking to Chris Line. He's a writer-director. One of his films is going to be in the annual Whitaker Film Festival coming up this Sunday. Also, our word of the day and some funnies. All of this on St. Louis in Tune. Greetings, listeners in Listerland. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston, where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, government, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. We originate from and connect the gateway city to our country's current cultural fabric and lives. Mark Langston is on assignment today, and he will be back shortly. Our return to civility. When And this is especially recently, folks. So if you're listening to this at a time, maybe during the winter when there's a snowstorm, note that we've been having a lot of rain when we're recording this and when we're broadcasting this particular show. A lot of rain going on when driving during or after a rainstorm. Be aware of road puddles, I should say road floods, near pedestrians and try to avoid sl- splashing people. It's hard for anyone to enjoy their day after they've been doused with a gallon of roadkill soup. An interesting, the latter part, roadkill soup. So just be careful out there with the wind, with the rain, with all of kind of the craziness that's going on with the weather. I want you to watch out with what's going on there. As I previously stated, Chris Loin is going to be presenting a film at the 23rd, Time Flies, annual Whitaker Film Festival here in St. Louis. This is going to be shown at the High Point Theater. It is a narrative film feature and 99 minutes long. Folks, it's Sunday, July the 23rd at 7 p.m. You can go to the website to check out for tickets, and I will get that information to you after our interview with Chris. Our guest is Chris Loin. He's a writer-director and award-winning filmmaker with over 25 years of directing and editing experience in film, video, and broadcast content. He had his own production company prior to this, and he's worked as a feature film editor and assistant editor, including Pixar's Monsters, Inc., and Showtime's The Settlement. Chris has directed and produced hundreds of commercials, television episodes, documentaries, web content, short films, numerous recognitions for his work. But he would probably tell you, and I know he he would tell you this, that his work speaks for itself. It doesn't matter what the awards are. And I love that. Chris, welcome to St. Louis in Tune. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. And that humbleness I got from reading about, it doesn't matter what the awards are, the work speaks for itself. That doesn't seem to be something that is in the industry, at least from my perception. In some way, I think popping the jersey is the way to be noticed and seen. But for me, I'm a bit of a note to grindstone. I love the process so much. I can't really be bothered with the other stuff. The process is so amazing. And going through a making film is just so energizing that almost the end product, is, it's not as important. It is. You do it for the end product, but the process is really the thing that you walk on set, you're like, yeah, this is what I was meant to do. I was read, reading that, you have authenticity as a driving force of your stories, and it's important the audience doesn't question the logic of the reality that you're presenting on this screen. Is that because so many stories seem like, that's unbelievable, or 
that's not factually correct. Or is that the thought process that you have behind that? Yes, in some way. But for me, I think just my flavor and what I, what I strive for is just sincerity. I think about film, modern films like Spotlight. It's just absolutely amazing. And you have just, you're just drawn into the story. You don't get taken away any moment questioning it. Just the story says it and you believe it. And so I think that if you take the audience on that journey and they believe it and they're not taken out of it, that makes a really rewarding experience. So we're talking to you about your narrative feature film, which is going to be shown Sunday, July 23rd at 7 p.m. at the High Point Theater. And it is called, and you correct me if I'm mispronouncing this, Penitentia. And interesting name gives a flavor to penitentiary, which you do involve. So give us a little synopsis of what that particular film that people will be seeing at the high point on the 23rd at 7 p.m. Penitentia is about a young attorney who takes on a pro bono prison rights case. And as he takes on that case, he delves into the world of corruption public negligence and disregard for the basic human rights. And he really began to question what type of lawyer he needs to be. And so that's what that film, that's what the film is about. I wrote the film about my father. Your dad was an attorney? So, sorry, I get, I, get, I always get a little emotional when I talk about this, but he, but funny, he asked past two and a half years ago and I still when I think about the film as an homage to him it still really has an emotional impact on me my father was an attorney in Wichita Kansas for 50 years and civil rights and justice were his guiding light that was his moral it was said that if you needed a good attorney and you couldn't afford one call Jim Law he took cases that he felt passionate about. And so when he passed, I felt like that I needed to do something that eulogized his memory as well as his belief and what he, what he fought for decades. And so on his way to the funeral, I concepted Penitentia. And then over the next four months, I wrote it. And then two months later, we started filming it. That's a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, it was, it was, it, yeah, it was great. <laughs> and this is what the third, the second feature film that you've done? So I did a feature film when I was in college. I got a 16 millimeter black and white feature film. That was a date, a date myself. That was 27 years ago. We never, we never went anywhere with that film. We didn't do film festivals. And so in, in some ways, yes, it's my second feature, but really in reality, I would say this is my first feature because we went from scripted grain on it. Interesting. But in the meantime, between that film and this film, you've not been devoid of being involved in the industry. Walk us, give us a little quick walkthrough of your experiences and how that has built up to this particular 
film production that is actually a feature film in the 23rd annual Whitaker St. Louis Film Filmmakers Showcase. So when I graduated from college in the late 90s, I moved out to Los Angeles with my partner and now wife and started working in the film industry. I was an aspiring writer-director, but I took the day job of being an assistant film editor. And I did that for a number of years. And after a while, L.A. just started wearing on me and my partner. And we decided to go to grad school. And so we went up, moved up to San Francisco and started grad school. And then life has a funny way of changing course on you. And while we were in grad school, my wife gave birth to our firstborn. And at that point, the next 20 or so years, it was really family was the primary focus. And so I shifted gears. I stayed within the industry, but I focused on broadcast, corporate, and commercial work. That was much more family-friendly than working in trying to chase the narrative theme. And so I've been doing that. I built the uh, production company based in St. Louis. And when I've been doing that, and that, that's what put my kids through college, high school and my oldest in college and et cetera, et cetera. But in the back of my mind, there's always this gnawing that I want to get back to narrative. I want to get back to longer form narrative. And I basically quit writing for about 10 years while my kids were young. And then as they turned teenagers, I picked it up again and started writing, started writing features and with the plan to be a writer director and Penitentia really was the first project that, that I really decided that it was time and we were going to do it and we were going to make it no matter what. But you've been a writer, you know, according to your bio, I'm reading ever since you were in school earlier, I'm going to guess in high school and maybe even before in, in middle school. So what was that? Who developed that in you? Or what was the thing that sparked you to be a writer? Because a lot of people, and I'm not a particularly, I, I don't sit down, I'm going to write a book or I'm going to write a short story or a poem or something. That's not one of my first inclinations. What was the motivation that sparked that in you? It's not a very dy dynamic answer, but the, it's simple. It, I don't know. From the time that I was young, I wanted to be, I wanted to be a writer. And when I was 10 or 11, I started writing poetry Wow! and I was going to be a poet. And when I went to college, I studied poetry, but I also loved the visual arts. I loved filmmaking and somewhere I, I shifted gears and I stepped away from poetry and went full bore and just into script writing. And I think what I liked about it was it being a writer director, it's like being a visual novelist. Mm. So I get to shape the world and it's not just the words on page. There's a, a, a different type of experience. And then at the same point, you really begin to include other people and become a communal activity and not just me sitting in a dark room coming up with these stories. But why did I want to do that? I don't really know. I did that. You just had that uh, bug that uh, you couldn't scratch. 
couldn't get rid of that itch. Yeah. Now, exactly. You mentioned something about writer director. As a director, you're putting on the film what you had originally intended and how it has been written out and the vision that you had. How does that compare with other directors who take a script and then they interpret that? Is it all about an individual interpretation or what is the mental process that's gone through from directors in putting a production on like this in taking a script? Uh, it's a different approach and it's a different animal, but I can't really speak to that because the reality is I only direct what I write. And, and in this, so I can't really speak to what directors that take on writers work, but they do, they do shape that vision. It can be very different. Right now I'm working on another project, a feature length script called Greg going to rehab. And that as I'm writing it, I'm realizing this could be interpreted in so many different ways. The tone can be set so radically different based on a director's vision. Now, as a writer director, I know what tone I want. I know what things I want. But when you hand it off to another director, he or she can really go a whole lot of different directions with that. Are a lot of scripts that, this is going to sound like a weird question. You might have a good script can a really great director make a good script better or Absolutely. okay. And then on the flip side, if you've got a great script and you have an average director, can it really detract from what the script actually is? Sure. I will say that you started, if you have a great script, you started on a good baseline. And so your floor is right, right there. But the reality is you could have a toxic work environment. You could have, mm -hmm. you you, you could have actors and a director that aren't on the same page and you could have a director that is, doesn't recognize the moments that need to be recognized and maybe put more weight on different moments. And that really bogs down that, that script. So yeah, I think an average or a poor director can damage a good script. I would say that if you, if you're a great director and you have a good script, you're going to go through and you're going to rewrite or rework that script to make it great. That's what a great director would. We're talking to because, Chris. Because even if you're not a, even if you're not a writer director and you're just a director, you're still a writer. You're still going through and directors are still putting their authorial stamp on the project. It's a different vision then. Yeah. We're talking to Chris Line. He's writer-director of a film that's going to be presented at the High Point Theater on Sunday, July 23rd at 7 p.m. It is part of the 23rd Annual Whitaker St. Louis Filmmakers Showcase, and it is entitled Penitentia. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston of St. Louis In Tune. And Chris, on Penitentia, the main character, he, I don't want to give any hard things away here, but he has an interesting background coming into being an attorney, correct? That's correct. He, when he was a, when he was a 16 years old, he was convicted of a crime and tried as an adult and went to prison. And 
he was exonerated and was able to really make something of himself after that exoneration and became an, became an, an attorney. So the story really follows that journey of what type of law does he want to practice. So yeah, he's got a pretty interesting background. So he has this, uh, what I would call being in the system already. And now he's going to be on the other side of the system, even though he's been exonerated. And you did talk about your dad as a motivation of this and kind of an homage to him. Was he really involved with a lot of the, what I would call, dysfunction within the penal system and some law enforcement agencies? And because as I looked at the short of that, it seemed like there's this conflict that goes on and maybe the conflict is between justice and let's get this trial done or let's get this taken care of in an expedient manner. Is that something that your dad was really familiar with that kind of motivated you in this particular film? My father worked tirelessly to keep the death penalty out of Kansas and was successful for many decades and very passionate about that. He also knew Wichita City Jail on a number of occasions. He, he represented prisoners on prisoner right cases. That wasn't his entire book of business, but those were things that, that he really honed in on. And he really honed in on people that needed help, that needed advocates, that needed people to fight for them. And a lot of times those people are the people that do not have the means to get those, that support and advocacy. And he hell-bent on supplying that as much as he could. And he really passed that on to you in a different way. I think about it, and I think about my father, and I think about him spending 50 years of his life having impact on thousands and thousands of people and having direct impact. People that have been unjustly fired or unjustly accused or taken advantage of in other ways. And he was a fearless advocate of that. And so just, I admire that dedication of him. And I, I couldn't be a lawyer like him. I was too hellbent on being a storyteller. And, but he told those stories into me. And those are the types of stories that I really try to tell. What was the toughest moment in making this film? I don't know, maybe Sunday. Why is that? <laughs> it's, the first, it's the first time you put it up. After having worked on it for the culmination of two years of effort, and it's the first time that you walk in front of an audience and you show it. And so I, th I think that challenge like production challenges, I understand, I get, and I just roll with them because I've been doing this for a decade. I have not been standing up in a theater showing something that I've poured blood, sweat, and tears in after two years to an audience. That may be the toughest moment. But having said that, I mean, it, it, making a feature film, making any film is the 
is a challenge. Making a feature film is a Herculean cast. And we shot this film in 15 days and we shot in two different cities and we had cast coming in from all over the country and it was a union project. It was a SAG project. And so we shot within SAG guidelines and in the middle of a COVID surge. So that, that was pretty difficult. That's huge. That is really huge. Because the industry is just, everything just shut down pretty much at that time. And yeah. you, you being able to do this is just really unbelievable. D were you involved in helping select the actors or is that pretty much the producer's role or how much in input did you have into that process? I'm the producer oh, of it. Okay. I, I, had a co I have a couple of co-producers, okay. but I'm the lead producer on it. Okay. And yeah, we... I worked with, my co-producer was also the casting director. And so we, we went through and saw as many people as we could possibly be and tracked down as many people as we could possibly track down. And yeah, so I was intimately involved in the casting of everything. So how does that process work? Do you put, you put your name out there and say, hey, we're going to be doing this film and actors, they apply or, and then. Do sometimes the other producers or you go, hey, I know this person, they would be good in this role. Explain to listeners what that process is, because sometimes I think they think agents are going to, an agent reads this script and go, oh, that's Tom Cruise, or an agent reads this, or that's Sally Field, or that's somebody else. How does that go? You summed it up. It's an amorphous process. There's different ways that don't get cast. So you go through a casting director reaches out to agents, they put postings, they start calling through headshots. Um, but then at the same point, you also are targeting people that you think, oh, they would be really good for this. And for a film like this, a lot of it was, I know this person, I, the casting director, I know this person, or I know of someone who knows, et cetera, et cetera. So we cast Rusty Glimmer and Rusty's pro Rusty's the biggest name in the film. And, and she's someone that the minute you see her, you're like, oh, yeah, I recognize her because she has decades of experience in the industry and dozens and dozens of credits to her name. And she was a friend of a friend. And so we called her up and asked her if she wanted to read. Actually, not read because she doesn't read. Because at that point, her body of work. We asked her if she wanted to read the script and would she be interested in the film. And so she read the script, and she and I had a couple of conversations, and she said, "Yeah, I want to work on the film." So casting is ca casting is how can you get your your word out there as much as possible, and at the same point, how can you identify new people? Last and convince that and convince them that your film is worth your time. That's true. And have they seen the film or are they going to see it Sunday? So most of the cast is Los Angeles, New York, and Chicago. So there's a handful of St. Louis actors. A couple of them will come be coming to the screening. Uh, I shared a private link with 
PCAF members so that they can, they can see the film. Cause I, I wouldn't want them to walk into a festival, not seeing it. That, so they've seen it. I anticipate as we go through our festival run, the, the festivals that work within their schedule and the filming that allows that they can come to those festivals and they'll be able to watch it on the screen then. Cool. Last question. You have some budding director writers who are eager to hear what you have to say to give them an encouragement, whether they're in middle school, high school, or in the university level. What do you tell them? I, for a minute there, you started your question. I thinking you were going to ask about my kids. Are they interested so, in the business? Oh, yeah. It, yeah, it's a disease that has infected the entire <laughs> I think just understanding the process and really engaging and being excited by it. And also just knowing that as fun as it is, it's also a flaw, right? As you begin to create and you can get carried away and fall in love with creation, then there's been a real medium to it. And don't get turned off by the tedium. That, that's part of the process. Embrace that tedium. and. And when you do, then you'll really get even deeper into that experience. That's great information. Chris Line, who's a writer-director of the film Penitentia, which will be shown at the High Point Theater Sunday, July 23rd at 7 p.m. as part of the 23rd Annual Whitaker St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase. Chris, thank you very much for talking with us on St. Louis in Tune about your film. Oh, I really appreciate you having me. Thanks a lot. Great information, folks. If you want to watch that film, it's cinemastlouis.org slash penitentia, P-E-N-I-T-E-N-T-I-A, cinemastlouis.org, penitentia, P-E-N-I-T-E-N-T-I-A. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. It's always going to be a good time here at St. Louis in Tune. You're listening to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston on the U.S. Radio Network. Thanks for listening to St. Louis In Tune. On each and every show, we strive to bring you informative, useful, and reflective stories and interviews about current and historic issues and events that involve people, places, and things. Hey, we cover a wide range of content in the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, health, history, housing, and humor, justice, and sports, and that's just to name a few. While St. Louis In Tune originates from the Gateway City and covers local topics, we connect to what is going on nationally as well. If you missed any of our previously aired programs of St. Louis In Tune, simply visit stlintune.com. That's stlintune.com. There you'll find every show from our first to our most current. Use the search engine and look for a show that might interest you and if you have an area that you'd like us to examine deeper, let us know. Just drop us a line at stlintune at gmail.com. That's stlintune at gmail.com. St. Louis In Tune, heard Monday through Friday on the usradionetwork.com. 
and many great stations around the U.S. and of course, right here in St. Louis. Our website again is stlintune.com, stlintune.com. This is Arnold Stricker of St. Louis in Tune on behalf of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation. In 1857, the Dred Scott decision was a major legal event and catalyst that contributed to the Civil War. The decision declared that Dred Scott could not be free because he was not a citizen. The 14th Amendment, also called the Dred Scott Amendment, granted citizenship to all born or naturalized here in our country and was intended to overturn the U.S. Supreme Court decision on July 9, 1868. The Dred Scott Heritage Foundation is requesting a commemorative stamp to be issued from the U.S. Postal Service to recognize and remember the heritage of this amendment by issuing a stamp with the likeness of the man Dred Scott. But we need your support and the support of thousands of people who would like to see this happen. To achieve this goal, we ask you to download, sign, and share the one-page petition with others. To find the petition, please go to dredscottlives.org and click on the Dred Scott Petition Drive on the right side of the page. On behalf of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation, this has been Arnold Stricker of St. Louis In Tune. Welcome back to St. Louis In Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston. Mark is on assignment again. Just want to remind you about that. The 23rd annual Whitaker St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase. We had previously talked in the first half hour to... Chris Line, who is the writer and director of the film Penitentia. And again, folks, tickets for that, they can be ordered online. The showtime is Sunday, July 23rd at 7 p.m. at the High Point Theater. And the tickets can be gleaned at cinemastlouis.org slash penitentia. That's P-E-N-I-T-E-N-T-I-A. Great movie in 99 minutes. You'll enjoy that. Please make sure that you make an attempt to get at that. The Whitaker St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase, for those of you who aren't familiar with that, it's an annual presentation of the nonprofit Cinema St. Louis, and many of you, many of you are familiar with Cinema St. Louis, which is a, a big venue for some local artists who make films. And there are works that are going to be screened that are written, either directed, edited, or produced by St. Louis natives or films with some local ties to the St. Louis area. And the 17 film programs that are going to screen at the High Point are going to take place between July 21st and the 23rd and the 28th and the 30th. And these are centerpiece films that are produced. And the event also will feature some live streaming masterclasses for those who are have the bug to make some kind of films. Also some legal issues classes. They're available also as an in-person event. And then the closing night awards party at the High Point Theater. So you've got a range of films from some full-length fiction, some documentaries, some compilations of fiction and documentary experimental shorts. And there's some Q&A sessions that will take place with some of the filmmakers and or the subjects. 91 total films spread across, across 17 film programs, 22 female directors, nine African-American directors with seven films. All of the films and the closing night party are going to be held at the High Point Theater. And again, those dates are the 21st through the 30th. Four feature-length films are over 60 minutes, including... Chris's film, which we talked about, Penitentia. There are three free master classes, and these feature filmmakers and some industry professionals who and they focus 
mostly on some aspects of filmmaking. These are some of the winners that were in the Missouri Stories Lab, the film criticism and legal issues areas. The first two of these master classes are held at the high point. There's also two documentary short programs, eight narrative short programs, some animated and experimental short programs. And this full list of all those films, again, can be found at cinemastlouis.org, cinemastlouis.org. You get a whole lot of information there. You can also see some brief clips of each of these films. You can get a little bit more about the directors and the individuals associated with them. So a great thing. We've had uh, several people on the show related to the Cinema St. Louis, and it's a wonderful thing that our community does. It's a highlight that we need to compliment those who are in the industry of what they do for the St. Louis area in promoting this. So I want to give hats off to all those folks who are involved in that program in one way or another. And you can go to that Cinema St. Louis website and also find several other things. The St. Louis International Film Festival, there's just a boatload, a and I'm really speaking about this, a boatload of things going on with that. And they actually occur, what I would say, almost year-round. They do have some individual times when they are focused, like this one in July. There's some focusing in October, November, December area. So just please be aware of all of those events that are going on. There's the Classic French Film Festival, the Golden Anniversaries, the Q-Fest, the St. Louis International Film Festival, the Oscar Red Carpet Watch Party. So a lot going on. Also cinema at City Garden. So if you've ever been downtown looking at City Garden, there's some films that actually play down there. So our word of the day, gentacular, gentacular, it's ever pertaining to breakfast, okay? So if you're a breakfast kind of person and you love to eat, I love to go to the Egg on Locust Street, wonderful breakfast there. So this is pertaining to breakfast. It's an archaic word. It's specifically one taken early in the morning or immediately upon getting up. So let me give you an example. The method of making coffee for breakfast is earnestly recommended as a most wholesome and pleasant gentacular beverage. So I, I had the most gentacular cup of coffee this morning as I walked out the door. Spe- specifically one taken early in the morning or immediately upon getting up. Gentacular, J-E-N-T-A-C-U-L-A-R. Add that to your vocabulary when you get to work in the morning or when you get up and talk to your spouse or you're making some of that breakfast for the kids on a Saturday morning that'll blow their little minds. They won't know what to say or what to think. We're going to do some funnies. We're going to cut our show short today. I don't know if any of you have a dog or a cat. This particular joke relates to a dog. We have a new dog. He's an 11-month-old puppy right now, and he's uh, he's doing well. He's he's hanging in there. He's uh, he's just what puppies do. So cleaning with dogs in your house is like brushing your teeth while eating Oreos. Yeah, my brother took going to jail really badly. Now, he hasn't gone to jail, folks. I'm just as a joke. My brother took going to jail really badly. He refused food, drinks. He spat and swore at anyone who came near him and started throwing things everywhere. After that, we never played Monopoly again. Mm-hmm. 
Okay now, okay. So once I went to a party with my wife, it was full of people that she knew, but I didn't. A gal came up to us, turned to me, and said, you must be her husband. And I turned to my wife and said, you have a husband? Should have seen the gal's face. Okay, here's another one. Grocery stores, and you may identify with this. I do. I identify with this. Grocery stores should have baskets in the middle of the stores for those I really overestimated how much I can carry moments. That's true. That's very true. Sometimes you don't really want the cart. You don't want to take the basket. I can balance this. How about this one, folks? If money grows on, if money doesn't grow on trees, why then do banks have branches? (laughs) This was a want ad in the paper. It's hard to believe. Looking for a married woman recently cheated on, mad and scorned, who is willing to sell her husband's tools for cheap. (laughs) Goodness gracious. What is that all about? This was noticed by Vince the Sign Guy. Swarms of flying insects are threatening the town. Police deploy the SWAT team. SWAT team, folks, SWAT team. Hmm. Okay. There was a guy in the 1990s, a California man, Steve Komisar. He began putting ads in the national magazine selling, quote, solar-powered dryers, unquote, for $49.95. Unsuspecting customers would then receive a simple clothesline in the mail. Unfortunately, he was arrested and convicted of numerous crimes. I wonder why. Can you say the word fraud? Okay, here's another one. I've got a whole lot of these things. Have you ever played the game Genius Square? Just This is not a joke. Interesting game, Genius Square. You get these squ- circles, round. You have, let me back up. You have a plastic board, and it has letters going from top to bottom, vertically, A through F, and at the top, horizontally, you have some numbers going from one to six. And what you also get are these dice that have letters and numbers on them, like A2, kind of like bingo, C3, F4. And when you roll these dice, you end up putting markers within this little board And when the markers are all done, you have to take these pre-configured squares that are either in a square, that's four of them together, or there's three, and they could be in any kind of shape, and you have to place them on the board. Genius square. Check that game out. I don't get any kind of residual from that. I'm just saying, hey, this is, it was an interesting game. It makes, it's very thought-provoking. So anyway, I got my wife to help me put some posts in our in the ground for our new fence. I gave her the new hammer and I said, when I nod my head, you hit it. And I really don't remember much after that. That's not true, folks. That's not true. I got myself a senior's GPS. Not only does it tell me how to get to my destination, it tells me why I wanted to go there. <laughs> that one's really true sometimes, especially if I get up to go to do something and in the house. I've done some terrible things for money, like getting up early to go to work. Now, these are some 
statements written by children. I love these. I love these. These are some statements written by children. You know how teachers will give tests to assess different things? And a lot of them are like worksheet kind of things. So this worksheet had write five words you can spell. So the student wrote for number one, five, two, words, three, U, four, can, five, spell. The teacher wrote very clever, got plus two points. Hmm. 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 How about this one? This particular one says, motivate your answer. And so the student wrote, go answer, exclamation, go, two exclamation marks. There's a math test. Bob has 36 candy bars. He eats 29. What does he have now? The answer that the student wrote was diabetes. Bob has diabetes. Mm. <laughs> so this particular worksheet, who is your hero? Dad. Why do you consider this person your hero? He is brave. Is there anything your hero is frightened of? Mom. <laughs> Here's another one. These kids are so smart. The essay question says write 80 to 100 words. So the student wrote 80-100 words. Yes. Yes, that's the way some of those things work. That's the way some of those things work. And lastly, this is a student to a crush that they have. Dear crush, I want to know how you feel about me. Do you love me too? Please encircle your answer. And the answer is yes or definitely yes. <laughs> Folks, that's all for this particular hour. Don't forget, when the Martians invade, there's only one race, the human race, and every one of us have different characteristics and is uniquely valuable. St. Louis in Tune is a production of Motif Media Group and the U.S. Radio Network for St. Louis in Tune. Co-host Mark Langston, I'm Arnold Stricker. Remember to walk worthy and let your light shine.